2: Erlon, I will never forget it.
0: Ear Hustle, stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it.
2: Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your
0: podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, this is Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, hundreds of detainees shouldn't be detained in Fulton County jails. That's according to findings from an ACLU of Georgia report. And that is reason enough to alleviate overcrowding, says those opposed to the city of Atlanta leasing its detention center to Fulton County Sheriff Department to begin with. We'll dig de- we'll de- deeper into that report in just a moment. And also...
3: I think that those bullets gave more to him than they took away. What do you mean? I think it started him on his own journey of reconciliation. And I think Shirley, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm started that road. Peggy Wallace Kennedy
0: talks about her father, longtime governor of Alabama and staunch segregationist George Wallace, as we dig into our closer look archives. All that's just ahead, but first this. Now we know day one of early voting was historic in terms of turnout, but will it continue? So the numbers from Monday, well, over 130,000 voters cast their ballot. This was up from 70,000 on the first day of early voting back in the 2018 midterm elections, now that's an 85% increase. And nears the day one early voting turnout in the 2020 presidential election. And this information comes from Georgia Secretary of State Office. So will it continue? In other news, the candidates for lieutenant governor faced off on a wide range of issues yesterday as Georgians continue to head to the polls this first week of early voting. Democratic Prosecutor Charlie Bailey changed, ch- challenged rather, Trump-backed Republican State Senator Burt Jones regarding his participation in a slate of so-called fake electors meant to help former President Donald Trump overturn the 2020 election.
1: While Georgians I talk to every day are concerned about uh, how, how the cost of living is going to be, uh, you, you can continue to talk about 2018 and 2020 all
3: you want. So what we heard there is someone that has continued not to take responsibility for his actions. And I didn't hear an apology to the people of Georgia for trying to throw out their millions of certified votes.
0: Now, panelists panelists also asked the candidates questions about abortion, legalized gambling and their past voting records. The two were joined by Libertarian candidate Ryan Graham. He's a software developer who said he supports school choice, election reform and criminal justice reform. Now, current Republican Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, who also serves as president of the state Senate, decided not to seek reelection. And speaking of elections, the U.S. Attorney Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Georgia has appointed a lead attorney to handle Election Day issues. WABE Politics reporter Sam Greenglass tells us why.
2: With Georgia's elections often decided by slim margins, election officials, campaigns, and activists are on high alert for any issues, whether that be challenges casting a ballot, threats toward poll workers, or allegations of fraud. Assistant U.S. Attorney Brent Gray will be the point person for those violations. It's part of the U.S. Justice Department's election day program. The last general election largely went smoothly, despite efforts by former President Trump and his allies to overturn the result, citing false claims about election fraud. Sam Greenglass, WABE News.
0: Let's talk sports. The NBA season kicks, kicked off last night, and the Atlanta Hawks will hit the floor tonight when the Houston Rockets come to town. Tip off is 7 30 p.m. at State Farm Arena. Now, coming up in just a moment, the findings from an ACLU of Georgia report about those detainees inside Fulton County jails. And that is an issue that affects the entire Atlanta community and maybe even beyond. And that's what Closer Look is all about. As you know, I am Rose Scott. So today, here we are in our fall fundraiser, and we're asking for For your donation, because you know what? It helps us to create better understanding and interesting series, segments, and interviews. So, right now, we've got yet another reason to give. So, joining me with all that information is our WABE regular contributor, author, and journalist, friend of the program, and also someone who's going to help me paint my dining room, Gail (laughs) O'Neill.
4: Rose, it's so good to be here. Can I just start by saying thank you to Lamont from Atlanta and Sarah from Lilburn, who were contributing before the pro well as the program began i am so grateful uh listeners when you give right now we will enter you into a drawing to win a 250 and fifty dollar harry and david gift card harry and david is famous for their gift baskets ripe sweet pears i love the tangerines premium (laughs) wines charcuterie boards gourmet chocolates and tasty snacks this drawing is open to anyone who donates between now and the end of closer look in just this limited pool, Lamont and Sarah, you guys are on that list. And because of that, your odds of winning are very, very, very good right now. Please give in this fundraiser, it'll help us to bring closer look, bring you more of closer look and get you entered. Take a moment to give in what may very well be your first donation at wabe.org donate or call 678-553-9090.
3: My name is Stephanie Kingsley and I live in La Vista
4: Park.
1: I have my little home office, but sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit removed from the world around me, so it gives me a window into what's going on in Atlanta. What I appreciate about Rose Scott and her interviews is that she asks the questions that I would want to ask, and she always brings a bit of humor when she asks those questions.
0: Thank you so much, Stephanie, on behalf of everyone here at Closer Look. Thank you so much, because WABE counts on listeners like Stephanie for financial support. And you know what? We use it to pay for the shows you love, like Closer Look, we hope, City Lights, All Things Considered, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Morning Edition, you name it, we love it, Snap Judgment, and of course, Anything by H. Johnson. Metro Atlanta provides our largest source of funding. Now, we used to tell you it was 84%, but guess what? Now we know it's about 90% of our funding. Please chip in where you feel you can, and we really appreciate it.
4: Rose, you like to gloss over your praise, but I have to add my little (laughs) dovetail onto what Stacey just said. I love not only the questions you ask because I'm thinking it, but the pregnant pauses that have me texting you saying, Rose, what are you thinking? When I know what you're thinking. (laughs)
3: Yes, you do text me. (laughs) So
4: back to the fundraiser. For many of our listeners, we found that the sweet spot for giving comes in at about $10 a month. But if you know you can afford a little bit more, we will happily accept a little bit more. Plus, every WABE monthly donor will automatically receive a gift item from us, the PBS streaming service Passport. Rose, have you seen Becoming Frederick Douglass yet? Stanley Nelson's documentary on?
0: Not yet. It is on my things to watch list. I love Stanley Nelson. We interviewed him before. Oh, my
4: gosh. I heard him interviewed with Lois Wrightus on City Lights, watched it last night. It was extraordinary. Yeah,
0: he also did so the Black Panthers to, some years ago. So I know he's an incredible, incredible creative. So, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. I have to put that one on my on my viewing list as well. So think about this. When, what you hear on WABE, the truth, the insight and the powerful stories are valued by you and they're also sustained by you. So please make your gift at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090 and thank you.
2: For the first time ever, WABE is offering a thank you gift for the next generation of WABE fans. It's the WABE Kids Hoodie. This black pullover features the NPR logo on the front and the WABE logo on the back. It comes in sizes youth small, all the way to Youth Extra Large. Show your friends and neighbors that your child or grandchild is a well-rounded, informed young listener. Yours with a gift of $180 or a new monthly gift of $15. And with that monthly donation, you'll automatically receive an added gift, the PBS Streaming Service Passport with kids programming available on demand. Please take a moment to support 90.1 because facts matter in both school and journalism at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thanks.
0: Now, Gail, I have my Not So Kids hoodie. It's the Big Folks hoodie. Got it today. It's I love it. It's absolutely just chill. I love it. And on a day like this, I love it. So remember that as you're thinking of giving to W.A.B.E., there is an amount that is right for you. And yes, even if you can only give a one time gift right now, that's pretty cool, too. So while sustaining monthly donations are best for us, they may not fit for everyone. So giving because you find value here is what matters now. So please give at W.A.B.E.org donate or with the call 678-553-9090. And as always, we say thank you.
4: Don't forget, when you give today, your name will be entered into that drawing to win a $250 Harry and David gift card. For full contest details, visit wabe.org slash contest rules. Your odds are winning are excellent right now. By the way, Dina from Mapleton, who called in to say you love listening to WABE, thank you for your pledge. Mary from Atlanta, saying that WABE is your go-to station. Thank you, Mary. Please give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
0: Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. And Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. Now, there's no denying Fulton County jails are overcrowded. And that's why the city of Atlanta agreed to lease the Atlanta Center detention center to the Sheriff's Department. But before that is to happen, the city council also voted to allow a justice policy board to review Fulton's jail population. However, now comes a re- new report from the ACLU of Georgia that, quote, population levels can be reduced and conditions improved at the Fulton County jail through other simple, common-sense measures without the need to lease additional beds at ACDC, close quote. Now, this week, the City Council voted not to remove that mandate in order to expedite the transfers, which didn't sit so well with Council Member Michael Julian Bond.
4: When you say things like, uh, or what has been characterized, Mr. Chair, as people say, oh, it's only so many days, it's only been 63 days, oh, it's only been this amount of time, You know, say that to the person who is sleeping on the floor and ask them. And I would challenge our our esteemed lawyers here and even the great ACLU to go and talk to the people who are sleeping on the floor and ask them if they can wait.
0: And on the other side. What I realize
2: is that the issue has been mischaracterized intentionally to the public. And frankly, it's just a lie. It's my belief, again, that there is no overcrowding issue uh, with respect to the Fulton County Jail. The data that we have received supports that. In fact, we know that to be true.
0: That's fellow council member Keisha Waits. Meanwhile, while they work through all that, let's dig into the ACLU report. I'm joined now by Fallon McClure, Deputy Director of Policy and Advocacy at the ACLU of Georgia. She comes back to us. Welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. Um, I'm glad to be back and to talk about this report. It's very important work. Well,
0: let's begin here. Tell listeners what you all were reviewing.
1: So what we reviewed in this report is the jail population data specifically on September 14th, 2022. So Mm -hmm. it's very important to note that our report is a snapshot in time. Um, This was data that the sheriff himself presented on who was in Fulton County custody on that day. And that's what we reviewed.
0: Okay, and so the data that you all use came from Fulton?
1: It came from Fulton, yes. Um, the sheriff provided some of this data. We also did open records requests and publicly available information from the jail website.
0: Okay, now let's back up. Uh, let's sort of take our listeners through this. What were you all, how did you break this out in terms of assessment? What were you all going to determine?
1: Basically, we went into this with the question of why are these people in the jail, Mm -hmm. right? And from there, we were pretty sure that we could, once we looked at who was there, make the case for why so many people shouldn't be there. And that is exactly what this report shows.
0: Now, at the time that you all did this assessment, how many folks approximately were being held at Fulton County Uh Jail?
1: Um, about 2,892 people were being held in the jail that day. And Fulton County Jail, we're talking about Rice Street facilities specifically, mm-hmm. not the entire Fulton County custody, okay. um, capacity around 2,591 beds.
0: And so in terms of so in terms of beds, are so you looking at at least more than 300 some folks that are, as Councilmember Michael Jr. Bond said, are sleeping on the floor? Correct. Okay. Then you all looked at why folks were being held, under what charges, had everyone who's being held, were they charged with some type of offense?
1: So, yes, there was some type of offense. But I think the narrative around this has been that these are all violent criminals that need to be in the jail to protect our safety. And that is not the case.
0: So some of these were misdemeanors.
1: Exactly. Not only were some of these misdemeanors, but I think it's important to note that people in jail, whether they're on a felony or misdemeanor, are presumed innocent until proven guilty. And a lot of times cases are reduced and even dismissed. So to categorize everyone in jail as a violent offender that needs to be there is incorrect.
0: You all also revealed that there were at least more than 100 people that you felt were eligible for some type of diversion program how did you make that assessment?
1: So we looked at the policing alternatives diversion um, and we actually trended even more conservative. So it's likely more people than that hundred, but we looked at charges that are typically divertible and we, we went through them. And so there's at least a hundred people in there that are on charges that could have been diverted um, to pad by the arresting agency. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it's important to note that At the moment right now, only APD, MARTA, and Georgia Tech Police are able to divert to PAD. Um, We would encourage making all of the cities and jurisdictions within Fulton County be able to divert. We know that's a resource issue, um, but that would also help alleviate. Um, and And I didn't give you the number, but in Fulton County Jail, there were almost 300 people that were there solely on misdemeanors. So I just wanted to make that clear as well.
0: And of that group, I want to focus on that group for a moment because I'm curious. That group also misdemeanors. I'm I'm wondering if there was some type of inability to pay the bail as well.
1: Yes, so there is some overlap. There were almost 300 people in there on solely misdemeanors, but we found that there were about almost 300 people that were there on unable to pay bond. So some it was a little higher because what we used for this category was about a $20,000 bail or bond, meaning that if they go through a bonds person, you're looking to pay around $2,500, which seems particularly, potentially reasonable, right? But we realize, so our our point is if people cannot pay this Mm -hmm. $2,500 and then that they're sitting in jail and there was 143 people that had been on a um, 20,000 bond or less for over 90 days, 89 of those for over six months, 46 for over a year and 13 people that have been in there over two years with a bond that is $20,000 or less.
0: want to back up. So you're saying at least 60 folks who have been in there for a year or up to two years because of the inability to post bond from 2000
1: to $2,500? Yes, that is what um, our analysis is showing. What does that say to you? that says that we have to do better. And I think that's why we named this report, There Are Better Solutions, right? And I think it's very important to know, we recognize that there is a humanitarian crisis. We don't want people to be sleeping on the floor. We understand the potential safety hazards that arise from this. But what's very important is that we don't just solve this prog- um, this problem in the immediate, but we solve it long-term. And the way to solve it long-term is through continued comprehensive policy change. Because ultimately what will happen is you have, you know, 700 beds now, then you're going to need some more and then you're going to need some more and then you're going to need some more if you don't change these policies.
0: Deputy Director McClure, let me ask you this. So how many in total are you are you all suggesting could help alleviate the overcrowding? I, I just used a general number. I said hundreds, but are we looking at close to 400 in between 300 and 400?
1: Um, we think if you look at, um, kind of putting all of our recommendations together and i will be you know in complete transparency there is some overlap right in um in doing this report like it's not every single little point which Mm -hmm. is why it's important for the review that's coming from the justice policy board to be conducted because it will be a greater in-depth report other than just the um The snapshot that we have, but we think that if you let out people on misdemeanors, um, you divert people with offenses, you make sure that folks are, you know, able to afford bond, and you indict cases at a, you know, more timely fashion, that we're looking at potentially, you know, around 700 people that don't need to be there right now.
0: 700 people? Yes. Out of 2,500 or so plus?
1: Yes. Well um yes around that some of that is Fulton County custody as a whole some of it is Street specifically but our report you know if you you thumb through it it's also on our website you can see that the the breakdowns of you know because we we looked at Fulton County custody as a whole and the individual facilities
0: this report just came out what feedback have you all if any have you received from city council members
1: I think we've we've gotten a lot of good feedback right this was just it was simply just the facts the data the numbers it wasn't a I mean yes we have recommendations right but it wasn't like hey you know This person is horrible or we're playing to this or that. It is strictly the facts. Right. And the facts show that there are too many people in custody and we can make some real changes.
0: So what's next? And also, I want to ask, have you heard from Fulton County Sheriff Patrick Labatt or anybody from Fulton County Commission?
1: Uh, we have not. We've heard from some of the commissioners. Um, we did email the report to all the commissioners. Uh, I mean, the city council, mm-hmm. um, whatever, the Atlanta city council. We received, you know, some rec- some recognition that they received it um, and that they had read it. Um, we have not heard, um, at least at this point, much from the commission or from the sheriff himself.
0: I wanted, I'm interested in your response to someone saying, well, you all have the recommendations and you've laid out this data. But can you understand on the other side saying, well, perhaps there's not enough individuals to sort through all of this. And then it's not easy just to go to a judge or whomever needs to, to sign off on all of this and say, let's release 700 some folks. I mean, that would take time. Correct. So in the meanwhile, should they allow some of these transfers to go ahead so you can get folks off the floor?
1: So this will take some time to implement. There's some that can be done quicker rather than others, but transferring people will take some time too. I think it's important to note in the least that the women from the South Fulton Annex will be transferred first. And there's like a little over um, 350 women there. I think it was around 355 last I heard. Um, And they all have to be transferred first. And then at that point, then 100 men can be transferred from Wright Street per month. So that is still going to take a lot of time um, for that to even happen. So if we're talking about this consideration of time, I'm like, let's take a moment and get this right now so that this doesn't continue to be a problem.
0: Meanwhile, as we wait for that Justice Policy Board to have their own analysis, if it is gives even greater detail, or even gives you even greater numbers through your lens then what obviously should happen next. Is it just to not go through with the lease and then let's find a way to get these folks off the floor and those who you all feel should not be detained into the proper pathway?
1: Absolutely. I think that is is what should happen. My understanding is the Justice Policy Board is planning to present their um, analysis on the to city council around November 7th. So that is, you know, only a, a few weeks away. Um and i do think you know it will continue to shed more light and deepen the positions that we have already kind of not kind of that we are showing Mm -hmm. and ultimately that the leash should be reversed right so that we can implement these real systemic changes so five years 10 years 30 years from now we're not talking about these same problems and i think it's extremely important to note that We are working with folks that have slept in those boats on the floor, right? So this idea that we are these detached like lawyers that don't know what it's really like, Mm -hmm. we always make sure to center those that are most impacted, and they are fighting right alongside with us in this fight.
0: Fallon McClure, Deputy Director of Policy and Advocacy at the ACLU of Georgia. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really
1: appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Look continues in just a moment as we open up our archives and revisit a conversation with Peggy Wallace Kennedy, daughter of George Wallace, longtime Alabama governor and segregationist whom she writes changed after an attempted assassination. That's coming up in a moment. And the ability to bring segments like that one and the one we just heard, well, that is why we have these fundraisers. And that's why we're looking for donations to help cover the cost of programs like Closer Look, or to cover the cost of what it takes to bring you the story we just heard. So please take a moment to give your fall gift at wabe.org donate. Joining me now is Gail O'Neill. Rose,
4: as you just said, we're looking to cover our operate I like how I say our your operating costs <laughs> as a small token of WABE's appreciation for your donation. They will enter you into a drawing to win a $250 Harry and David gift card. You can keep the card for yourself and your family, or you can send it to a loved one for some sweet pears. Tangerines are my favorite, wine or even a gift basket this holiday season. This drawing is open to all who give during closer look, so your odds are winning are, of winning are very good. Rose, I'm not one to stir the pot, but I have to say Nancy of Roswell just gave, Margaret of Atlanta just gave, which makes Lamont the outlier here. Hmm. Let's see, all these women giving, what's up with the men? i'm just saying there you go
3: oh send your emails to gail All
4: givers you can give at wabe.org donate or with a call to 678-553-9090 also we know you're not making an october gift just for the gift card but because you appreciate closer look and all of the interesting stories you hear on other wabe programs please give take a moment at wabe.org donate and thank you
2: My name is Steve Swope, and I live in Noonan, Georgia. I made my first donation to WABE back in the 1980s, and I distinctly remember my wife and I were driving in the car with our two kids. We were listening to WABE, and the fundraising drive came on, and we looked at each other and said, it's time that we step up. We did our part, and we've consistently done that through the years. We feel like we have a duty and an obligation to support the things that help our community, and entertain us.
0: And we appreciate that. And when you give, even at $10 a month, that will make you a WABE sustainer, and it really is the best way to give. And here's why. Because that $10 may seem small, but I'm here to tell you, it allows us to make future plans more accurately, knowing we have a reliable source of ongoing support so we suggest ten dollars a month because that's about the amount that seems to work best for most of our listeners but look you know what works for you financially and you know what's in your wallet so that's why we say do what you can 678-553-99 here online at wabe.org and as always we say thank you
4: plus every wabe monthly donor will automatically receive as a gift from us the pbs streaming service passport including you, Mary, from Decatur. We see you. Thank you for your recent donation. We only ask that you give as generously as you can at wabe.org slash donate. It'll help us pay not just for closer look, but it will help WABE amplify the voices of Atlanta. And with nearly 90% of all funding coming from Metro Atlanta, your help is so important to us. And really, we thank you.
2: When you give to WABE as a new sustainer at $10 a month, we'd like to thank you with the I Love WABE mug. It features the numbers 90.1, gently folded into a small discreet heart, printed on the face of this all-white mug. Show your support of WABE with a gift of just $10 a month, or a one-time gift of $120. And with a monthly donation, you'll automatically receive an added gift, the PBS streaming service Passport. You listen for news, culture, entertainment, and because facts matter. So please, take a moment to give right now at WABE.org donate or call 678-553-9090. And thank you.
0: And Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Ro Scott. She refers to her father, George Wallace, as a complicated man and hard to live with. Peggy Wallace Kennedy reveals that and more in The Broken Road, George Wallace and a Daughter's Journey to Reconciliation. George Wallace, who would serve four terms as the governor of Alabama, staunch in his view supporting se- segregation, and once referred to by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as, quote, perhaps the most dangerous racist in America today, close quote. Now, that was in a 1965 interview, but I also should note, Dr. King went on to state this, quote, I am not sure that he believes all the poison that he preaches, but he is artful enough to convince others that he does, quote. So as our conversation from December of 2019 began, Peggy Wallace Kennedy talked about her parents' marriage.
3: I got my strength from my mother.
0: Lurleen, correct. Yes,
3: and I think my mother was a strong woman. Um, she loved my father very much, and I think in the beginning she did not know what she was getting into because she was 16 years old when she married him. But as the years went by, um, there was some really bad years. Mm. Uh, her, I think her strength increased and her love increased for him. He was just very, very complicated man, very hard to live with. But um, I think that She loved him, and the the marriage mattered to her. Mm -hmm.
0: You call your childhood a broken road, and you say it's
3: still with you. Mm. Well, let me explain the broken road. Mm -hmm. Physically, the broken road was an abandoned roadbed, cracked and heaved up, mingled with kudzu and shrub vine. And so when things would really get bad at home, mother would drive us to my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. She would drive through Tuscaloosa, Alabama, over the Black Warrior River. And she would say, look for the broken road. And so when we saw the broken road, it meant unconditional love, happiness, no secrets, no angry voices. And when she turned down that dirt road, I'd look for that house with the flowers on the porch. And when I saw it, I'd roll down the window, and I'd wave, and happiness would wave me back. And that was my grandparents' house. And so the broken road is a good thing. Mm-hmm. was a good thing for us. So every time we saw it, that was uh, our safe place.
0: You say your father was not uh, an easy man to get along with for your mom.
3: Yeah, but I, but no, you say she
0: loved him. She loved him very much. After she passed, did you notice a change in him at all?
3: Uh, my father um, uh, grieved um, until the day he died. her did he ever talk about regrets of things
0: that he may have done or that you all may have saw
3: he did was that tough for you to hear it was tough and I told him it was okay that that was in the past and that was not anything he could do about it now and I just wanted him to be be happy he said I can never be happy again Mm-hmm. your mother's gone
0: let's shift to politics for a moment
3: why was getting elected so important to your dad in the 58 race mm-hmm. he lost um, <clears throat> because he ran on good roads and better schools and that's not what people wanted mm-hmm. they wanted what john patterson was offering them that was segregation he was supported by the clan and after uh, daddy lost that race he was devastated so he had to make a decision and he made it power over principle moral code out the window he knew that the only way he could win was on race and segregation and since he was a little boy, that's the only thing he ever wanted, was to be governor above everything else. That's the kind of man he was. I loved him very much, mm-hmm. but that's the price that we all had to pay. And I and I understand that, and I, I, I forgive him for that. But that's... That's what he wanted, and race and segregation was the only way he knew he could win.
0: Did you ever say to him? Did you ever have a conversation with him where you said, "Well, Daddy, this we understand. This is not who you who you are. This may not be who you are, but you're running on this philosophy, and that and that has to
3: be conflicting for you." Did you ever have that conversation with him? No, because that. That's what he was going to do, because I, um, I knew that's what he was going to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I was only twelve years old, mm-hmm. so I was young. You write that you never heard
0: the N word used in your house. You never no. heard your father use
3: no. that word. yeah. We were not, we were not allowed to say it, and. Uh, I never heard him say it. I never heard my mother say it.
0: When your father is finally elected governor, what was that moment like for him?
3: When he was elected? Mm-hmm. Well, it was very exciting. I mm-hmm. was 12 years old, and mm-hmm. we just... Went from a small town to the Alabama Governor's Mansion. Yeah. What was that like was, for you at twelve? It 12? was wonderful. Um, I had my own, own bedroom, had a TV, had my own bath room in in the same room. <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. And it and I remember Mother saying, for one of the first things she ever said, she she bent down and she said. You can have anything you want to eat. Hmm.
0: That was a long way from where you all had come from. Yes. Images of your father, civil rights, marches, protests, what you see in the paper, what you see on TV, what you're hearing in the radio, and all of this coming from your father— And he wasn't the only one, so let's be really fair and clear about this. But as you get older, what's happening to you in terms of your philosophy and your ideology about race and racism and segregation?
3: Well, I talk about peace and reconciliation Mm -hmm. and forgiveness. We are living in a divided country. America's hurting but there's hope for America and I talk about that because America is about all of us not just some of us so whether you're African-American you're white Hispanic Native American gay straight whatever we are all John Lewis says we are all one family, and we're all one America, mm-hmm. and we've got we've got to start uh, living that way.
0: May fifteenth, nineteen seventy-two. Twenty-one-year-old busboy fires shots. At your father, yes. paralyzing him for life. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't happen to your father, do you think there still would have been this road of reconciliation that he would have gone on?
3: I think that those bullets gave more to him than they took away. What do you mean? I think it started him on his own journey of reconciliation and i think shirley congresswoman shirley chisholm started that road she came to visit him in the hospital i was there Mm -hmm. they prayed together they talked very low together and something changed in my father that day I can't. I can't explain it to mm-hmm. you. Um, and I think his heart began to mend.
0: Did he? He asked for forgiveness. Because there were several civil rights leaders that came to your father's bedside. Yes.
3: Uh, I don't know if he asked her for forgiveness because they were ta- they were talking very low, mm-hmm. but. I know he called John Lewis many times, and John went to see him in nineteen seventy nine, and he came out, and said, and told, he told me that, he said, I, I, I when I talked with your father, I, I knew, that he, uh, had a changed heart. He said, and I forgave him.
0: You have spent. A good part of your life. You've been honored and recognized in the civil and human rights arena. But there was something in the book that when you talked about visiting your parents' grave, I think it was right after President Obama was first elected, and I'll let you pick up the story there, because a woman came up to you. She talked about how much your parents were loved, and then she said something else to you. What did she say?
3: She said, I know your father just rolled over from his grave and if he knew that black man was running for president I just didn't say anything because she obviously didn't see the Obama sticker on mm-hmm. my, my car
0: and I bring that up because whether we want to call it a perception that people have and maybe people of a certain generation and then also what you are telling us and been telling us and what you're telling us in this book about your, your father, you still feel like you have to defend him? You still feel like you're going to continue <coughs> defending him?
3: Do you, do I think I...
0: Because of that, because of what folks <coughs> like, you know, just, that's been just, what, eight years ago, maybe a little bit older than eight years ago?
3: Well, I, I never said anything to her. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything to her. Sure. Um... Because I, I never really have defended him or excused him, uh, that I, that I know of. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was smaller, um, you know, no, he's segregationist. You know, that was just when when you're little. But
0: why was now a good time to write this book for you?
3: Well, when I crossed the bridge in two thousand and nine. With John Lewis, mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up, um, I really didn't have an opinion. I had an opinion, but I was never asked if I had a, had an opinion. So I really had no voice mm-hmm. on different things. Uh, when, like when da- when my daddy stood in the schoolhouse door, nobody asked for my opinion uh, because uh, I didn't agree with. Uh, him standing in the schoolhouse door but I was 13 years old Mm -hmm. but at that time I I didn't agree with that but nobody asked me if I agreed with it so everybody thought well she feels like her daddy feels but I didn't so I really had no voice so but in 2009 when I crossed the bridge with him um John Lewis gave me the courage to find my voice. Um, And the reason uh, uh, I I say that is because back in uh, 1996, we took Burns. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was eight at the time here to Atlanta to the Martin Luther King uh, National Historic Site and Museum. And we were going through the exhibits. And we came across the exhibit where Dr. King tried to uh, uh, fight for equality in Alabama. And we came across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing and fire hoses and dogs in Birmingham and George Wallace standing at the schoolhouse door. Mm -hmm. And Burns was very sad And he looked up at me and he said, why did Paw do those things to other people? And it was the question that changed my whole life. And I said, I don't know why Paw did those things to other people, but I know he was wrong. So maybe it'll have to be up to you and me to help make things right. So I raised my children. I supported Mark's political career. And then I had the opportunity to, to cross the bridge with John, and he just gave me the courage. He showed me that unconditional love, reconciliation, forgiveness can restore soul and heal a human heart. And there was I wanted to be I wanted to be able to speak up. And be passionate about something. Mm -hmm. And peace and reconciliation, when I thought back on that question that Burns asked me, seemed to be the right thing to be able to help. So that's what I I did. I was on the speaking circuit for 11 years, Mm -hmm. peace and reconciliation. So it was the legacy of that that I wanted to build for my sons. And so, to me, the book is, is the legacy for them. It, it was for the two, my two sons. I wrote it for my two sons. For your
0: sons. You call your father's legacy complicated as we wrap up? Yes. History will probably always have what it writes about George Wallace. When we see his name, and we will see segregationists, and people will play that same clip, mm-hmm. segregation now, segregation forever. Yes. That's what we'll, we'll keep seeing and hearing. <clears throat> but what do you want folks to know about
3: Daddy? I would like for them to know that when he asked for forgiveness, that he was forgiven. And my father, he, he reflected on his past and politics of the past, and his own mortality, and that's when he changed, and he became the man and the father that I knew in nineteen fifty eight and at the end of his life, he was happy because he had changed he knew he was back to that man and father that he was in nineteen fifty eight and and before 58 those were my happiest years then
0: the book is called the broken road george wallace and a daughter's journey to reconciliation peggy wallace kennedy thank you for coming in and sharing all of this i really appreciate it
3: thank you very much
0: now i understand you're an auburn fan too
3: Very much so. And I didn't even go to Auburn. (laughs) I went to Troy University. I'm a Troy Troy fan too.
0: All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That is Peggy Wallace Kennedy, in her own words, about her father, former Alabama Governor and Democratic President's candidate, George Wallace. conversations that we have on this program throughout the years this is closer look i'm rose scott joined now by gail o'neill frequent wab contributor author writer as we wrap up this second day of our fall member drive gail your thoughts
4: rose thoughts for one thing the fact that peggy as a little girl understood the gift of no angry voices when she would go to her grandma and grandpa's house and then how she brackets that coming around saying as a little girl, she didn't have a voice. And then John Lewis gave her her voice. There's just so much packed into that entire interview. I mean, we all know our driveway moments. That was a triple platinum driveway moment to me for, for NPR listeners. Um as you say, as we wrap up, I wanna thank John from Atlanta, Ken from Atlanta, Joshua from Atlanta. The men are bringing up the rear here at the end and we had many more donors stuff. <laughs> who asked not to be thanked, but I have to thank you all for giving so generously over this last hour. So again, we are giving away a $250 Harry and David gift card and your odds of winning are now one in 10. The drawing is open to everyone who gives right now until two o'clock. That's to someone who's renewing their annual gift to a person who has never given before, a major giver, or a one time gift. For full contest details, please go to wabe.org slash contest rules and look for your gift right now in this. And your gift right now in this fundraiser will help bring us closer look along with other extraordinary reasons you listen to 90.1. You can help right now. Take a moment to give at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678 678- 553-9090. Thank you. And Rose, thank you for being the extraordinary reporter and listener that you are. You are a gift to this city. Don't start crying.
2: It's true. <laughs> hey, it's Elsa Chang from NPR. Donating to this station makes a big difference difference, but it doesn't have to be a big decision. It can be a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing. Think of all the random stuff that you own. Clothes worn once or gadgets you never even figured out how to use. All paid for. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Contribute right now and thank you.
0: Elsa Chang, she is way cool. You know, we talk a lot about how your contribution fits into our budget. Let's flip this around a little bit. How does $10 a month fit into your budget? Well, you know, think about a monthly video or music streaming service. Goodness, I have about eight. I don't know why. I cut the cord years ago, and I feel like I'm paying more. But that's just me. Now, also, it's a couple of cups of premium coffee. Also, an impulse buy at the checkout counter. But check this out. Every WABE monthly donor automatically receives a gift from us. The PBS streaming service Passport. For those of you that love the British mysteries and the comedies and the, what's it, the antique show and this old house and this young cottage and all that good stuff, me personally, I'm just into Clifford the Big Red Dog. And with nearly 90% of our funding comes from this community, your donation right now during Closer Look really will help us in our efforts to amplify the voices of Atlanta. So please give 678
2: 553 or online at wabe.org donate and thank you. For a mix of the old and the new, we've got a great way to say thank you with your donation of just $10 a month and it's three gifts in one. First, it's our vintage Forever I Love Atlanta mug featuring hand-drawn designs of some of Atlanta's best known landmarks. You'll also receive the WABE window cling as well as 20 stylish lapel buttons, showcasing some of the best public radio programs of past and present. This three-tier combo is yours with a new gift of $10 a month. With that donation, you'll get yet one more gift, the PBS Streaming Service Passport. This fall, we'd like to remind you that facts matter, and so too does your support of independent local journalism. Please give at WABE.org slash donate or call 678- 553 9090.
4: Thank you. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show, but you still have a few minutes to get your name into this drawing to win a $250 Harry and David gift card when you make a donation now. Remember, no donation is too small or too large, so give what you can now that you can. With just a few minutes between now and two o'clock, you might think that you don't have time to get in on this drawing, but you absolutely do. According to the rules, will be entered as long as you finish on the phone or online by five minutes past the hour. I wish I had those deadlines when I was in college, Rose.
0: (laughs) My question is, exactly who are Harry and David? But anyway, um, as we wrap up, listen, you still have some time. Please make your fall gift right now at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. I want to say thank you so much to everyone who donated. During this hour, and good luck to you to win. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much, as always, Gail. I appreciate you hanging out with us.
4: Always oh, a pleasure. I love hanging out with you guys.
0: And that's it for this edition of Closer Look. Our producers are LaShawn Hudson, Daniel Razel, and Pat St. Clair. Daniel was also on the boards today. And that means for those who don't understand the radio, Jargon, he's on the board. He was engineering today. So, a reminder to let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other. Send me an email, as you all love to do, rose at wabe.org. And if you missed any of today's program, it is online at wabe.org slash closer look. And of course, you can also listen to closer look weeknights at 7 p.m. as well as in our podcast. So, subscribe to closer look wherever you like. And also, by the way, if you're listening during our rebroadcast at 7 p.m. tonight, you still are eligible for the Harry and David gift. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. The number again, 678-553-9090 or online at wabe.org slash donate. And as always, thank you.